Welcome to the Dining at the End of the Universe podcast, where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversations of the latest science fiction movies and television shows that we are watching. If you want to find out more about Dining at the End of the Universe, please visit DiningAtTheEndOfTheUniverse.com. Welcome to the Dining. Welcome to Dining the End of Universe, the place where we're talking about everything science fiction and we are excited about science fiction and what is happening in the world of sci-fi. Uh, my name's Scott. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we're your hosts for Dining Today. We're your diners, I guess you would say, of this show. Uh, we want to welcome you to the show. We have a lot to talk about in the show, probably too much. I'm cramming into an hour here, but... Um, our big agenda, of course, is we are going to be talking about Transformers and virtuality, as we talked about in our last show last week. Uh, we didn't have time to talk about it. Miles hadn't finished virtuality, I believe, and hadn't seen Transformers 2 at the time, but now he's done both. I am caught up. He is caught up. He is no longer a slacker. But oh, come on. Come on. Hey, we need to slap you around a little bit here. Just some really brief show news. If you want to find out more about dining at at the end of the universe, you can visit the sci-figuys.com and that'll take you to our show notes. And um, you can also get there by sci-fi fanboys uh, as well. We do have a, a store that you can visit. The links to that are off the website. And uh, I believe that's about it. If you are a podcaster and have a podcast that's science fiction related and want to send us your little promo, we would be happy to play it on the show. So just be aware that that's uh, something that we're looking for. But and uh, any other shows before we get started? Um, no, I think we're, we can, we can we can proceed. Oh, we I think we talked about this in the last show, but we are heading to shore leave tomorrow. If you get this before, if you if I have this uploaded before tomorrow, and you would like to uh, email us questions for Miracle Ari, Vanessa Angel, Robert Ricardo, Ethan Phillips, email us, Twitter us with questions and. Uh, We've already had some people do that, and we have some great questions we're going to interrogate them with. So it should be it should be very, very good. All right, Miles, why don't we do the trivia from uh, – was it two weeks ago that trivia is from? Yeah. The trivia yeah, from was- two weeks ago, and uh, you are a trivia man, so go ahead. Why don't you give us the question? Well, we, we were talking a lot about the, um, the sci-fi conventions, and so my question was what was the TV show that inspired – the first uh, convention. 
And the answer was Star Trek. Right. No it, the, there was a second uh, part of that question, and it was, when was the first convention held? This was back in 1972. 1972. Now, the question I have, Miles, is where? New York City seems to come to mind. I, I'm 99% sure it was held in New York City. Wow, wow. Well, uh, we did have one person actually get the trivia, or at least part of the trivia. They at least got what show spawned that, and it was Mark Shurik, I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly, guessed it was Star Trek, and who really wouldn't guess that it was Star Trek, but um, didn't know the year and did not give us the, obviously, location because we weren't asking for that. But And we'll give our uh, next tri- trivia question at the end of the show. What is this blue thing they speak of? Uh, as we said, we had a ton of news this week, or at least it seems like a ton of news on in the, in the, in the, the heels of shore leave or going into shore leave here. Uh, but we did want to get this to you. One piece of news that was not on the notes uh, was that Dollhouse was moved back a week. I believe it's uh, September 26th comes to mind as being its uh, new official second season premiere date. Uh, pushback uh, because of the intense schedule they had with filming our, uh, filming the episodes of Dollhouse. So it will be coming back uh, a week later than what we originally said in our last show. So did you see that, Miles, come across? I did not see that. Um, so uh, That's interesting that they had to back it up. Uh, they're just not ready to uh, air it yet. Well, hopefully that means that we're going to be having uh, something good uh, and that if it takes a little bit longer to get it right, that's what I'd want to see. I want to see it done right rather than haphazard. Right. And, and hopefully it'll be good enough to uh, keep the show going. Oh, definitely. Definitely. In other news, we have a new Stargate Universe trailer that just surfaced. It came out, uh, I believe it was new July 7th. That was just a few days ago. So here it is. These are the wrong people in the wrong place. The ship is falling apart. This may be our last chance. Stay calm! Some said it was a key to the universe itself. And once unlocked, it would gain untold power. What if we are not supposed to be here? We are going to survive. We are going to make it home. All right, Miles, tell me your thoughts about this new Stargate franchise coming up, and maybe especially your thoughts on this trailer. Uh, It's definitely little darker than uh, the other incarnations of uh, Stargate, um, but um, a little more serious maybe even. It, it is. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's definitely – it doesn't seem quite as campy as um, – there was always this campy feeling when you had Stargate and Stargate Atlantis. And that did not lessen them as shows to me. I was a huge fan. I watched both those series the whole way through, watched every single episode. And uh, would not have missed it. And I loved them, and there's something there, that has a place for me. But there's something a little bit darker, a little bit more sinister about this uh, Stargate uh, universe that that's coming out in October, I believe, early October. Someone even said October second. I don't know if that date's confirmed, but there's rumors flying around that it could be that. There's something just a bit darker about this, right? Uh, which to me makes it more intriguing. Um, I'm not. I didn't watch uh, Stargate or Stargate Atlantis, so um, I'm not as familiar with them as say you are. But uh, I am going to check out Stargate Universe, though. So. 
Oh yeah, it, it, it should be good. Either way, I am stoked. I cannot wait for this to air. Um, I'm waiting for a really good show to come back on to Sci-Fi. And uh, I mean, wait, we might have one. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Warehouse 13 in a little bit, but uh, it, it could be good. Lou Diamond Phillips, he he, he has a starring role in this uh, show. Yeah, there's a couple notables. One of the other one of the other lead actors too. Um, the guy with the long hair. I don't even know his name, but he's been in stuff before too. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, uh, as far as uh, something else we can be looking for, uh, at the beginning of 2010 is NBC's Day One. So I'm going to fire up the trailer here so you can hear it. What did you think of day one, just from the trailer? Well, it's definitely something I want to see. Um, it looks like NBC's going to take their stab at a, a, a series with a post-apocalyptic uh, theme to it. Um, but um, the end sort of has me a little creeped out, and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just um, that they, they say... There's this theme about you can't pick your neighbors, and at the end they they say that at the end, and this place says, uh, "I did, I picked you all," and it's like, well, what is her involvement in all this? Um, uh, is this 
are are aliens involved in this? That, that there's these structures that are out there. Um, I don't know if they're like. I have to look at the trailer again, but they're like giant robots or something. Well, they, they uh, you know what they suggest that. Uh, this, there's something here that's suggesting a little bit more than just meteors falling from the sky, which was my first thought when I saw it was like, oh, great, we have another meteor movie coming on. Uh, but it seems like these are not just regular meteors, that where these things impact, uh, that these structures kind of rise up out of the ground. And that comment at the end makes it sound like there are aliens here that are somehow infiltrated us, maybe working among us. Uh, has a little bit of a V maybe coming in around it a little bit. Here's something I wonder also. Um, This was sort of explored in the TV series, uh, the 4400 about humans from the future trying to save the planet. So they, they, you know, they do their own sort of intervention to try to save the world. Uh, I wonder if this is, maybe it's not alien involvement, but you know, humans from the future that are, have decided to take drastic action to try to save the earth from itself or something. Hey, it could be. Either way, it it looks like a really good movie. Um, And uh, we haven't had a good, uh, I guess Jericho was hailed as a decent post-apocalyptic drama. Uh, We had, of course, um, Jeremiah, which we'll talk about in a little bit later on the show. But we haven't had a lot of good post-apocalyptic dramas on the, on the air recently. Have we? Or am I missing something? No, 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 no we haven't had anything new, nothing new in a while. This might be something that we have to look forward to here. Let's talk about Warehouse 13. Yeah, let's talk. I loved it. Um, um, so you watched it Tuesday? Yeah, let's see. Um, I watched most of it Tuesday and finished it. Was finished it yesterday. It was, it was a you know, it was a two hour premiere, so um, uh, they had to introduce the characters and then introduce what was going on, but. Um, I wasn't bored at all. It was it, 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 it moved at a good pace. I like the characters. I like the premise of it. Uh, I think I think they the sky's the limit in the kind of stories they can tell as far as going after these paranormal or investigate these 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 things that probably involve the paranormal. I should say. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And it you know it it did. They were saying earlier that this is kind of a cross between the X Files, Indiana Jones, and some other thing. And I saw a lot of that. I mean, when you got into that warehouse, there was a lot of the items in that warehouse that really reminded me of some of the architectural objects that they had. It reminded you a little bit of the warehouse you saw in Indiana Jones, uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Very much so. Uh, So the warehouse reminds you a little bit of that, although it is huge. Um, Yeah. It's like this door you walk in and you're like, okay, it's a warehouse. But this is not just any ordinary warehouse. This is a huge warehouse. I mean, there's a Zeppelin in there. I mean, they have tons of stuff in there. They so. said it was like built in 1898, I think they said. It right, was, uh, right. So there's a secret government organization that's been, you know, out there to, you know, investigate and contain these, whatever these paranormal type events are. Or th- there's even technology that is so advanced for its time that it's kind of contained there also. I mean, they use these, these two-way TV radios that were supposedly built in the 1920s. Uh, what else do they have in there? Um, e- even I, I don't know the character's name yet, but the guy who is kind of like their their mentor, their super- mentor, supervisor, even. Um, but his computer—it's an old keyboard. It's it there there there's old, you know. It it's there's some period stuff in there too. It's uh, it's different. It's 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 really cool. Yeah. Hey, you know what? 
it kept me entertained. The character's chemistry reminded me a lot of Bones. I don't know if you ever watched the TV show Bones at all. A Fox show. Really well done. But the the interaction between Bones and Booth are, of course, what make that show go. And the interaction between the two lead characters whose names uh, slipped me at this moment uh, was really, really good. Um, and, uh, and I thought it has a potential as, you know, this is just a pilot here, but has a potential to go places. And, uh, right. The, the, the characters had good chemistry. Yeah. And of course, I think what the, the, the cool, the cool thing about this was that this is the, uh, that they said it had, it was the best premiere for sci-fi or the SIFI channel. Now the, the, <laughs> be, the best premiere that they've had since Eureka in 2006. Oh, okay. So that's saying something. Uh, a lot of people tuned into A lot of people were interested in it. Uh, and that bodes well for Warehouse 13. Yeah, I think this is a winner. I think, uh, um, yeah, they, they, should, they, they should have a good run with this show. Yeah, they, they should definitely do that. Uh, what, do you want to talk about the, uh, the Blade and Crow prequels a little bit? Right. If any of you are the fan of Blade movies, remember Stephen Dorff's character in the first film. Well, he's going to make an appearance in the new one, but it's going to be a prequel. Steve Norrington, who directed the first Blade film in 98, he has confirmed that the prequel is going ahead and it will be a trilogy based on Dorf's character, uh, Deacon Frost, which is killed by Blade in the first movie. However, before the new Blade series film gets underway, uh, Steve Norrington will be taking the helm of a reimagined version of Alex Proyas' uh, 1994 film, The Crow. This, this Crow won't be a remake of the original, starring Brandon Lee, which, who died during the film but will instead follow an all-new character and storyline using the basic premise only. I, I like the Blade movies, um, but I, I guess this won't be a Blade movie. It'll be a uh, a, a, a movie based on Stephen Dorff's character. Right. Um, so it's based on the based on the universe or based on the the uh, the setting, but not necessarily based on the uh, the character itself. Yeah. Right. So that could be interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, vampires are really popular right now. So it looks like Hollywood is still running with the ba- vampire thing. Hey, well, if it, if it works, it works, right? Right. Right, right. But uh, as far as The Crow goes, I love the first one with Brandon Lee. Uh, they put out some sequels after it. But they weren't quite as good, in my opinion. They, 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 were, not, they, were, not as, they were not as good. I, I, I don't know if you could really... I don't know. I, I thought the first one was so good, and there's just tragic mystique with with uh, Brandon Lee, you know, sadly getting killed during the making of this movie. Maybe they should just leave it alone. I mean, um, yeah. I'm not excited for for another sequel for this movie or or, or reimagining. I don't know if um, there's just some films you just you only make once and and you and you leave it be. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, uh, and we have a little bit of news then on the uh, new Star Wars live action. Here, I just want to play a bit of a song for you. Of course, this is, of course, the uh, newest uh, Star Wars incarnation, uh, incarnation, if I can say it here, that's going to be coming out. And uh, I'm excited about this. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, as you know, if you've been listening to the show at all. And Miles, you love Star Wars as well, right? I, I, I love Star Wars, too. 
Yeah, so uh, this is going to be uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, I don't know if it's on Sci-Fi Channel or not. Uh, Sci-Fi TV is reporting that it's actually started pre-production in Australia. So it'll be filmed in Australia, it sounds like. The thing that's kind of cool about this, we knew, of course, that this live action was going to take place between Episode 3 and Episode 4. Uh, and it's really the founding of the Rebellion. Uh, we also knew that there weren't going to be, a, at least supposedly, a ton of Jedi involved with this because, after all, all the Jedi are killed or in hiding. And that the major characters like the Emperor and uh, Darth Vader were not necessarily going to make an appearance. However, there are some major characters, uh, what I would call major or minor characters from the movies that will. Uh, any of the notables that stood out to you, Miles? Well, um, I could see them, you know bringing some of the supporting characters from uh, the prequels, like um, the guy who played Captain Typho. Yeah, I believe he's slated. How do you pronounce his name? Jay Lagaya? Sounds sure. good. Sounds yeah, good. I'll, I'll do it. James Lagaya. I'll be the official voice. James Lagaya <laughs> is in talks with George Lucas to star in as Captain Typho in the Star Wars. Anyways, uh, he, he, he's, he is apparently in talks. Also, um, the uh, bounty hunter Boba Fett will also be in. It sounds like. Now I wonder if uh, the, the actor who played Django Fett will play Boba Fett in this, in this TV series. You know what? He might. He might because he hasn't done a lot since. So. Right. I mean, he, he, he does. Doesn't he use his voice for the uh, the uh, Clone Wars? Yes, I think so. Uh, okay. You know, here's the other thing. It's a bit of a different series. It's a uh, George Lucas describes it, whatever this means, as in Deadwood meets the Sopranos in space. It's a bit more adult, they're saying, and not so kid oriented, which he considers his um, shows mostly kid oriented. Uh, so it's a bit different there. Uh, they already say that this series has a hundred episode life. He's planning on putting out 100 episodes. And it's George Lucas, so who won't air them? I mean, come on. I don't well, know. This, this, is, this is money. This is it, it's definitely money. All you need to put is George Lucas on it, and it doesn't, they, don't, they won't care if the scripting's terrible. They'll go watch it. It's lightsabers. It's the Star Wars universe, and we're hungry for more Star Wars universe. Hopefully this will be a chance. I mean, hey, fans who like the, the prequels, I'm not hating on you or anything like that, but I like the originals the best. Um, I hope... Man, there that, goes that, um, hate, that hate talk again. Well, that's you know, but, I, I, I'm not. I'm just qualifying it. Um, right, right. Um, let's just say that what was lacking in maybe the prequels, maybe this is a chance to sort of redeem himself in, in the TV series. Well, hopefully, hopefully, he's not the only writer on these. <laughs> you know, a hundred episodes—that's a lot of writing to kind of pump out. And I'm guessing that he has some other writers, and hopefully, he's, he's hired some of Josh Whedon's writers. Yeah, we can we can hope for that. I mean, yeah. it's 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 got an interesting premise though, so we'll def, I'll definitely go watch the first couple episodes. Yeah. Well, 2010 is a release date, and you know, come on, I'll probably watch it even if it's terrible because you know it's Star Wars. In the uh, in uh, we have a couple pieces of other news. Asteroids has been optioned as a movie. Uh, this is a bit odd, don't you think? It's very odd because this is a video game that came out in the late 70s on Atari. Well. I mean, I was on a regular video game first, but um, I remember first playing out my Atari back but, in the day. Well, here, here, I got something to play for you here. Let me just pop this up here, and uh, here we go. Oh, 
Anyways, you know, you, you, you know, Miles, you really miss that Atari music. Of course. I mean, I, I, I love playing asteroids. That was a great game. Um, I play it again. Well, you know, you blow hours of hours of entertainment that are going to be there, but they're making a movie off of this, a movie. Yeah, so they're going to have to comp. This never had back at back in the day. Video games really had their own story to it. Right. I mean, I mean, there's right now. I mean, the last you know ten, fifteen years. I mean, there, there, there's a lot more to a video game now than there ever was back in back in the late seventies or. Early eighties. You're so, actually uh, saying 1979. This came out. So they're gonna have to. Come, I mean, it, it gives them an opportunity. They have they, they have a clean slate to uh, well, yeah, write a story. There's no story that's been that's been told. So I mean, they do. They can go anywhere with this story. Uh, the premise of, of course, asteroids is yet you're in this little ship in the middle of an asteroid field nailing asteroids. That's it, right? Am I wrong? Yes. Yeah, so, no, you're not wrong at all. Mm-hmm. And avoiding the occasional flying saucer that's trying to take you out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was there too. So, uh, I don't know. It's not, it sounds like a bad sci-fi movie, in my opinion. But it, it, it sounds uh, risky. I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah, it sounds. It sounds like a big risk. Yeah. So, uh, so we we will see. We will see. Uh, apparently, they've also optioned Battleship and Candyland as also uh, shows. We'll see what they're like as well. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we have uh, we talked about Jeremiah in one of the last shows. I actually had a chance to watch uh, part of an episode. I did not watch the entire thing because it is not kid friendly. But Miles, you recommended it, and I loved it. It was great. I want to watch the entire series sometime when I'm home alone. Uh, my wife isn't necessarily; my wife is doing something else, and not because I don't want her to see it because I think it'd be a great character driven show. But it looked good. Definitely not kid friendly. Violent. A lot of boobage in it. But I loved it. Yeah, not not family friendly, but uh, good good storytelling and uh, strong strong character driven show. Yeah, and uh, I watched, of course, the fanboys. I mentioned that we are not going to talk about that then, but Miles, you have to watch it because so, we have to talk about it on the show. I I, I will put it in my Netflix rental after we're done here because it is it's hilarious. It it, it nails fanboys. I mean, um, I really I, I I really need to play the trailer. Uh, in the show, do you care if I do that, Miles? Real quick. No, go ahead. ahead. That's fine. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and play this trailer because it is absolutely hilarious. And if you get a chance to watch a trailer online, Miles, you should do it as well. I'll have the link in the show notes so you can do that. Anyways, here it is. These are the most secure buildings on Earth: the White House, the Pentagon, the Kremlin, and George Lucas's Skywalker Ranch. It started as the ultimate heist. Linus laid the whole thing out in fifth grade. What's your game plan? We storm the ranch or we die trying. This is a suicide mission. It will become the ultimate road trip. Drive in, fellas. It may be crazy. It may be dangerous. Gary Knowles. Which one of you is Windows? I'm Windows. <laughs> nice to meet you. Gary oh! Knowles is kicking Windows. But if you make the right connections, it's all there. Maps, passcodes. How did you score all this stuff? Are you kidding? I'm William Shatner. I can score anything. The possibilities. You want to take your shirt off? As you wish. 
Warm. Touch private condo. Dude, get out of here. It's not a good time. The force is strong with me here. Are endless. Somebody tell me what the damn red button's for. It's light speed, kid. Light speed. Yeah. Punch it! Featuring Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Darth Maul, Shooter McGavin, the warehouse guy from The Office, the guy from Tropic Thunder, Jay, the guy from Die Hard 4, the hot chick from Sin City, and Captain James T. Kirk. Friend of yours? Fanboys. Oh, come on! Quick, get into the garbage chute! I have a bad feeling about this. You guys don't think that the, um... We are in George Lucas's trash room. The walls are not going to close in on us. Anyways, Miles, this has uh, some really, really notables in it. Billy Dee Williams is in it. Uh, Carrie Fisher's in it. Um, Ray Parks is in it. William Shatner's in it. I mean, it has a full cast of cameos that make their appearance uh, and and kind of make fun of the whole fanboys elements of fiction. And of course, the whole purpose for this thing is there's this one of their friends is dying, and as their last act with their friends, they're going to go to Skywalker Ranch and break into Skywalker Ranch to to get a hold of a copy of the Phantom Menace before he dies. It sounds good. I I, I do want to see it. Yeah, it, it, it's worth it. It, it. it was funny, and um, that's just a little plug for it. If you haven't seen it and you want a good laugh, it, it's pretty hilarious. And it, you know what? I, I, I heard like three, four years ago this movie was coming out. Missed it in theater. I, I did. I, I, like, I don't know if it came and gone or I was you know, you know, out to lunch when it came. I'm really glad I took the time to rent it. 2008, mm-hmm. they said they actually released it, but I missed it somewhere in 2008. Do you remember it being at theater, Miles? I don't even remember it being out in theaters. It, it, it must have just came and went. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I, I wish I would have. I heard talk of it, but I don't remember it being in theaters. Let's talk about Caprica a little bit before we move on into the meat of our show here. Uh, okay. Now, you watched Caprica, and you liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I did. Um, uh, you liked it better than Virtuality? Much better than Virtuality. Which we'll talk about in just a little bit here. But – I loved it. I had a chance. Miles would watch. You watched this like a month and a half ago when it came out. It came out the end of April, and you you rented it and had watched it within that first week, right? Right. And I just got done watching it, so I'm about two months behind the ball. But this was a really good episode. Um, really, the show that's coming out, Caprica, doesn't air till the spring of 2010, I believe. So I guess it will be our second show in 2010 we need to keep an eye on. But looks good from from the two-hour premiere that they aired. Uh, they didn't air, but the, the two-hour premiere that they now have out in video. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked the message of it. I liked the, the cast of it. It's, it's definitely different than Battlestar Galactica, but it's in that same universe. Right. I like the look also. It's, it's, it's kind of a... There's, it's sort of retro, but at the same time, this this society loves, you know, loves technology. I mean, or, or you know, they they really go after. They're trying to push the boundaries of technology. Oh, are they uh, ever? Are they ever? And in Battlestar, they have the technology, but they even take it some steps back for, for when they were fighting the war with the Cylons. Well, and they and they do that because they don't want the Cylons accessing their. Computers, so they're kind of 
back in time as far as technology goes only because they don't want these Cylons getting into their system, putting viruses in their system, right? Right. By necessity, they, they have to, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, re-engineer or retrofit something to, you know, so, so the Cylons can't hack into their systems. Right, right. But, so this is... This is it. There's, I guess they have some closed. They have closed computer systems that they allow on their ships. So that's about it. But here in Caprica, man, technology is embraced in all forms, in including the decadence of society, uh, which is what they obviously are showing in at least part of this movie. That's one of the themes that I thought was interesting. And you see classic Rondi Moore coming out here, not being afraid to embrace spirituality in his shows, as we talked about earlier. There's a huge spiritual element to this. Of rising above the decadence that's going on in society, and there's just something more, um, and how there's there's people that will take this to extremes, but there's also there's also uh, a goodness to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is um, more is not afraid to explore. You know that what makes us human, and what makes us human is we are spiritual, we are religious. Uh, th- this is you know for many people, this is something that's very important and very precious to us, yeah. and. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't make us, you know, weird or aberrant. It's just, you know, it's a part of who we are. Now, now sometimes those things can push us to extremes. And there's extremes on every side, and we see a little of that in this movie. Right. But, um, but there seems to be a movement to try to rise above the decadence, and and, and, and so uh, they're preaching about the one true God. I mean, in their in their, in their, in their theology. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I'm finding in this, uh, that I found in this movie is that even though there's spirituality that they're addressing, that there's both sides. There's people that are totally non-religious at all, and then you have those that are super religious. And you saw this in Battlestar, and so this echoes nothing new. Uh, The real question I found Rondi Moore seeming to ask is not can we do something, but should we do it as being one of the premises and one of the driving questions in the show. I got that too. Yeah, and uh, you know, so not can we make a Cylon that can react, and, and not can we recreate a person from their digital imprint on society? And let me tell you, when they when they were talking about how they were doing it, accessing medical records, uh, our profiles online. I mean, if you think about where we are at in society, there's a lot that we can create. If you really wanted, you could create a digital impression of who I am based on my online presence. It, it's kind of scary. Yeah. What, 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 I mean, we're not, I mean, we don't have the technology like the, the whole virtuality thing, but, but you're right. We, we, they could construct a, a digital version of yourself by, you know, what, what they, you know, what they have on, what, they, what, what the information they have about you. Oh, yeah. So this is kind of what it's talking about. And of course, they take it to the next step. Step is, you know, not can we do this, but should we do this? And, is there something wrong or moral or immoral about doing this, which is kind of what they're playing back, playing with? Because, of course, if you haven't watched the movie by now, you really need to watch it. But this will be a little bit of a spoiler. Um, two daughters from the Adamas and who's the other guy? The Greystones. The Greystones. The Adamas and the Greystones are the Adams and the Greystones. Uh, their daughters get killed. And, uh, and the Greystones figures out that there's a digital version of, of her, his daughter running around and he tries to capture it and use, her, use it. Uh, in a Cylon body, and the question becomes: Is you know, should he be doing this? Should we be, should we be accessing these digital representations of these dead girls? And is there something wrong about doing that? 
And it seems like uh, the Adams or Adama is by the end convinced that you shouldn't do this. Um, and the Greystones, of course, are, hey, let's go do this. This is a good thing. Right. He's just trying. I mean, it's motivation by grief. I mean, he, he has an opportunity to sort of bring his daughter back or, ha- or have her back at least. You know, and, and, and there's something and there's something true about that. I mean, who who hasn't, you know, anyone that's lost a loved one in their life has moments where they wish they could just have a little bit longer with them, just have another moment with them. And so there's something that there's there's part of you that wants to judge and say, oh, that's sick, that's immoral. But then there's another part of you that really understands that, you know? Well, if, yeah, if, if you've lost somebody recently or just you know somebody has lost somebody and see what, what they go through, it's um, – it, 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 it messes with them. I mean, really, you know, it, it, it takes a long time to recover from that loss. And so if there's an opportunity, I mean, this show explores another thing it's, it, it is losing loved ones um, and how people react to it. And th- this guy, Eric Greystone, I, I, forget, well, I forget his first name, Greystone, he, he, he is a man of considerable means. He's the Bill Gates of his of his. Of his of his universe, and uh, so he and he has the means to um, bring his daughter back, so to speak. Well, it's good. I'm uh, looking, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to this show. I think it's going to. I think it's a lot of potential, and um, I think it's going to be good when it comes out. And uh, I'm just sad that I have to wait a year for it to come out. I, I am too. This was. I mean, this this pilot was a teaser for. Uh, I mean, we're going to have to wait a little while for it. But uh, folks, you could get it on Netflix, I'm sure, or Blockbuster. But just. Um, just be warned, it's not um, it's not rated, and so the first few minutes of it um, are a bit adult. Um, I'm just warning you there. It's not this is not this is not a very family friendly um, show. It is absolutely not a family friendly show, and uh, <clears throat> that's just what it, I guess that's just the way it is. Uh, Rondi Moore could get away with it because it's not rated. I imagine that once they hit uh, Sci Fi Channel, that they'll be pulling some of that stuff out. Oh, I, I agree. I, so, they'll tone it down somewhat, but hopefully, they don't have to tone it down enough that you lose uh, the the message that's coming through. Because I, I felt like, while well, some of it I felt was gratuitous, I felt like it did establish uh, what society had become. Right. So I didn't feel like it was just they're just throwing in boobage for the sake of boobage. But no, it was. I mean, I don't think necessarily gratuitous. It was just like you said. They just this is where the world is gone, and also just. Uh, there, there was one scene that may not needed to be there. I don't want to give too much out, but um, let's just say there's a killing that is uh, a bit, bit graphic. Mm. If, you, if you remember that, if you, I don't know if you remember the one I'm talking about. Is it the uh, human sacrifice? No, it wasn't the human sacrifice. It was um, this this judge that's that's about to be assassinated. Oh, oh, do you know what? That was cigarette smoking man from the X Files. The, the judge? Yes. Oh, okay. Yep, I believe uh, William Davis is his name. I forget his name anymore, but Cigarette Smoking Man from X-Files. Yeah, he was killed. I was like, I hated to see him killed, but that was pretty brutal. That was pretty yeah, brutal. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. But, um, but again, maybe showing how society has progressed at that point. And, uh, you know, the, the scary thing about it is, you know, when you look at something like um, Caprica, you say, okay, how close do we, how close are we to the society? And there, yeah. there's a, there's a part of me saying, hey, we, we aren't that far off, mm-hmm. but you know, for better or worse. Okay, why don't we move into the 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 main part of our show here? Let's talk about 
uh, virtuality uh, quickly because we're going to run long here if we don't. And uh, and then Transformers 2, and then we'll kind of skedaddle out of here and go to shore leave. Excellent. But let's talk about virtuality. Virtuality, which, of course, we, tra- we played trailers for this in the show prior, and we said we wanted to talk about it. This is another Rondi Moore show, and we were really excited coming into it. Now, uh, having come standing on the other side of it, I watched it and said, you know what? For a pilot, you know, wasn't necessarily bad. But, Miles, you came on a different side of that, didn't you? I thought it was very weak. I was really hoping this would be good. It's not to say there's things I didn't like in it, but I just couldn't get behind the characters. I they, I just I, I couldn't care about them, and it moved very slow. So I mean, it was definitely slow moving. That's one of the things. One of the notes I had down here is that I felt that this was a slow moving episode that you could have cut a half an hour out of this episode and not have missed it. I mean, they explored some interesting things with virtual reality and reality TV gone amok, I guess. Right. Um, what did you think of the whole reality t- TV premise in a science fiction show like this? Well, I thought it was it was interesting. I mean, to put people, it, it created a more stressful situation. I mean, people had to almost perform, you know, in a sense. Well, actually, they did. There was um, they had this gay male couple. They were sort of compelled to have these husband and wife fights. I guess you could call it. And they said, "This is not us," but. They were compelled to do it for, you know, for, you know, for ratings or something like that. For rating. Yeah. For ratings and something. So, um, I mean, it was an interesting premise. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Did, did you catch any of the, uh, two, 2001 overtones of the show? Um, like I felt like they're, they're like on this planet communicating back to earth and it takes some time. There was just something about the scene very 2001 ish. Uh, not to mention that Gene, the computer, reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of Hal a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that. And, and the ship almost looks a little, you know, in some places it looks very similar to the Discovery in um, right. uh, 2001. Yeah, you know, and so uh, I thought especially the airlock scene where uh, where Hal, a.k.a. Gene, opens the airlock and almost sucks the captain out and ends up killing him in the end. I thought that that was very 2001-ish as yeah. far as that that goes. Um, although I was kind of surprised by the death of the captain because he wasn't one of the guys I would imagine being killed off the show right away. Yeah, I, that surprised me too. Although at the end when he speaks, you wonder if he if he's really is killed off. That was a little cryptic at the end. I, I didn't – yeah, they, understand. They almost they almost made it seem like what is real is virtuality is this, this virtual world and reality. Is there a distinction really between the two? And who's to say the real world that these characters are living in on this ship on their way to uh, some other solar system? Who's to say that's really the real world? I mean, for all we know, if the series would have gone on, we would have found out later on that both. Their, their virtual reality world and the real world they thought they were living in was also a virtual world. Something like out of the Matrix. Yeah, it would be like a world within a world within a world. I don't know. I thought the idea was good. And I thought, you know, Rodney Moore was exploring some interesting things. So if you have a virtual affair, is that really an affair? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought some of those are were interesting ideas and, and interesting thoughts. Also thought that man that kept appearing in, in everyone's you know virtual worlds, uh, 
this unprogrammed man was interesting. And I wasn't sure what I thought, whether that was really Gene or that was someone else uh, popping in there, some other character that because it was only a two-hour pilot and probably will never become a show that we won't know anything more about. But I wondered if he was like a, a, a manifestation of a computer virus or something. Yeah. And yeah. he was going out and killing them all in the, in the, uh, when they were in the virtual world. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Man, there's a spider running around my uh, mic here. Hang on. Okay. Okay. Took care of it. Uh, huh. <laughs> spiders. I feel like I'm in one of those, uh, you know, arachnophobia or something. What was your was your big problem with the show that it moved too slow? Yeah, that was that was part of it in the characters. I just couldn't get into the characters. I, I don't know. I don't know why. It just um, I just didn't get sucked in. I mean, I I, I watched it the whole thing, but. Um, and the guy who played the captain, I recognized him from that show, um, New Amsterdam. He had the, he was the guy who um, who had lived all that you know, you know, three hundred or so years, and that, that was a pretty good show. But um, no, I just um, I just didn't care for it. Yeah. Well, uh, you won't have to worry about it. it. It it appears that the ratings, since the ratings were really terrible, worse than even Dollhouse or somewhere along that line, there's a good chance it won't be brought back. Yeah, but at least we have Caprica, and uh, Rondi Moore is not over yet. So far from uh, it. Far from it. Why don't we move into some Transformers and talk about that movie? And to start us off, let me just play a little bit of uh, intro music for that. Anyways, Miles, this was a uh, a really good movie. Did you think so? Um, I liked it, but I liked the first one better. Right. Uh, I mean, visually, this was a very impressive movie. Um, I thought it, it, it had potential, but um, just in some places, it just it was a sensory overload with uh, all the battle scenes. Yeah, you know what? It was. And I actually came out and I said that this movie, when I walked out, said this movie was better than the original. Um, that was my take on it. Uh, but I think that some of the same things that you said made it, you know, the action sequences. Like when I went in there, I didn't go in with huge expectations. I mean, this is Transformers. And while I like it and you go to see machines blowing up machines, uh, I wasn't expecting uh, dynamite plot line. I wasn't expecting necessarily great acting, but I was expecting to see robots fighting robots, which I feel like I got, right? Oh, you did, yeah. And, uh, and so I, I, I did. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed this movie, and uh, I thought it had uh, it, it did well. And it obviously is doing well at the box office. I think it's on track, they said, according to some estimates. Uh, it's already raked in $600 million, uh, and it's about, and they're expecting it to hit Upwards to eight hundred million and potentially even higher. So uh, we'll see. Half Blood Prince is coming out next week, and that should uh, put a kink in its chain. But we'll see what it's like after this weekend. So, well, it, it's enough to say 
uh, to the powers that be that you know we want a sequel. Um, and we're going to get I, it. I with money like that. We're going to get a sequel. They're, they're going to get a sequel. I mean, not just the, the box office uh, earnings, but the, all you know, all the other stuff. It's. I mean, I'm just thinking the toys and the video games. It's going to. It's going. It will help sell. Oh it, um, yeah, definitely. Well, now let's talk about. I want to talk about some different elements about it. And if you have stuff that you want to talk about, we can do that as well. Uh, you just chime in whenever. Uh, let's talk about Shay, uh, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, in the mm-hmm. first one, he got knocked a lot. Uh, about his acting in that, um, how do you feel about his acting from the first one here into the second one? Um, I don't think his acting was that bad in the first one. I mean, um, I don't, I, I, I didn't see that much of a change to be honest with you. I mean, there were some scenes that maybe call for him to um, act more. Like in one scene, this is a spoiler alert, and I put it in quotes. Uh, Optimus Prime gets killed, and you know. Uh, so he has to be, you know, act more emotional and all that. But um, I don't think it was that huge a leap, to, to be honest with yeah. you. You know what? Uh, I felt that for some re- for some reason, Shia LaBeouf kind of annoyed me in the first one, and I didn't mm-hmm. feel that way. I walked out of here saying, you know, this guy has some acting chops, mm-hmm. and um, and I kind of liked it. I kind of liked him in this one. So, <laughs> but if you liked him in the first one, it wasn't too big of a leap. But for me, it was. I felt like he felt. A little bit more real, a little bit more authentic as an actor for me. But mm-hmm. Miles, who are your favorite Transformers in this one? Wow, um, uh, I liked um, I liked the introduction of, of Jetfire. The um, um, that stealth that stealth bomber plane. Oh man, I thought he was, cool. he was hilarious. He was hilarious. I thought he was cool. Right. Uh, I thought. Uh, I like Soundwave. We didn't see him on Earth. He was always on the satellite. But Soundwave is a character from the uh, um, the original Transformers TV series. Um, I uh, I thought Devastator was cool. Right. And all, all those construction vehicles merge and become that big giant monster. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, Optimus is cool, of course. Oh, well, of course. Uh, I thought that big uh, I, the, I, the big wheeled robot at the beginning was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It is a single wheel. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I too, I, I love the what was the Blackbird, Blackbeard, Blackbird, Blackbird uh, stealth uh, plane. I thought it was great. He was probably one of my favorite Transformers this time. Mm-hmm. But and you know, you always like Bumblebee for what he is, and uh, so on. Who are your least favorite Transformers in this movie? And there were a lot to choose from, mind you. Uh, probably the first ones I, I, I didn't like were the, the twins. Um, that was always with. Bumblebee and Shia LaBeouf's character. I thought they were really annoying. Yeah, you know, um, I felt like, and other shows have talked about this too, I did feel like they pushed this urban stereotype just a bit far for me. Right. Uh, they have a gold and tooth and they have this slang and it's all it's so ghetto urban and... Uh, if I was an African American, I might might be offended by it too. Yeah, yeah. And then they, and there wasn't a lot, but it, and it makes you wonder why Hasbro, who of course you know licensed the movie, is, was allowing that to go on. Because you was you bad think, choice. Yeah, you, you would think it would be a bad choice. So that 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 annoyed me. Probably mm-hmm. more than anything. Probably of the Transformers, that was the one Transformer that annoyed me the most. Those two, I guess, the twins. I don't know if there were any others that I really hated. 
per se. I thought Wheelie was a little annoying. That little robot that was a um, that remote control truck. Uh, they had something like that, the stereo in the first one, didn't they? That was kind of that way. Do you remember yeah. the stereo in the basement type thing? Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that that was the same kind of premise. In fact, one of the complaints is that this was just a rehash of the original Transformer movie. That they just you know tweaked up the plot a little bit, but it was it was essentially the same plot happening. Uh, uh-huh. Some people complained about that. It wasn't necessarily a problem for me, but I don't know. I, I liked it. You know, I definitely liked it. And those, as far as uh, the Transformers goes, those were our, those are our least our favorite. What do you think of Megan Fox? Um, hey man, I'm a guy. Um, was she really needed for this movie? Maybe not. But uh, I wanted to kill her off. You wanted to kill her off? <laughs> I did. I because uh, honestly, except for eye candy. You're right, and right. and she is some eye candy. She's pretty sweet, right? Uh, yeah. You don't need her. She she contributed nothing to the plot except she carried a piece of the Allspark for a little bit. You know, right. helps him escape from the university. But other than that, she's she's more of a, a you know a bum leg that that Shia LaBeouf's carrying around. You know. Yeah, she she didn't contribute as much as she did to the last movie. No, she definitely contributed more. At, I guess the problem is you can't really get rid of her because if you get rid of her and then, you know, Shia LaBeouf does a movie without her, you're like, all of a sudden, everyone's going to be saying, where's Megan Fox? You know, because you're expecting her to be in it. Well, uh, her, she, she and, and her star has really rised a lot in the last couple of years. So it's, I mean, now her name carries something. Right. So, yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, I, I really f- wish we could have gotten rid of her. but. <laughs> Just, um, just a little bit, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I agree. She, she I mean, great eye candy. Um, may, maybe they get her to do a little more in the next film. Um, yeah. Who I was, there's his roommate, Shia LaBeouf's roommate. The only reason he he was there was just so bad stuff could happen to him. I mean, oh, it was just. Oh, oh absolutely, um, and you know. Well, he was also there to show that there's this whole underground conspiracy thing. He was able to somehow tap into some different things uh, that he gave him access to. But again, it was not really an integral part of movies. Except he, of course, he, he of course enabled the dorms to have all the beautiful women running around them. You know, right? Again, eye candy. Mm-hmm. Talking, but, about, uh, talking about eye candy, what did you think of the transformer that looked like a Cylon? Oh, um, the one who was trying to make the moves on Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, and boy, Shia LaBeouf has no bones about it. I mean, he doesn't have any backbone, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. If, you, if, you're, um, if, you're, if you're dating someone like Megan Fox, come on, you aren't going to be, you know, dropping Megan Fox at the drop of a hat for some blonde bimbo that comes up to you. That that was something that stretched the bounds of disbelief. It's like, yes, this woman is attractive, but he's dating Megan Fox. I mean, uh, right. come on. are you going to do anything to screw that up? I mean... I didn't care for her that much. I, I was, I like the Transformers as cars, planes, uh, big guns, or you know, cannons or something like that. Um, now, now they can look like people. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't care for that so much. Yeah, um, I felt like they could have axed that. Uh, there are other ways to, you know, move the plot forward without having that in it. I, I, I just felt that. 
okay, now we're stray, straying into about half a dozen other movies, like Species, and uh, you know other other movies that have done something similar, where aliens have come shrouded in a human guise, and you know, you know, the dumb human, you know, male has fallen for the sexy uh, blonde or sexy uh, the sexy chick that is disguised as it, and you know, here we go, right? Revisiting that theme again. Yeah, and, and so I feel like. It didn't need to be there. It's been done before. And, you know, what? in any time you have a movie where, you know, the guy is making out with some girl, you know his girlfriend's going to walk into that room. I mean, that's almost cliche. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, when is Megan Fox going to walk in? Yeah, you were expecting it. <coughs> and and, mm-hmm. and she's, a bit, she's a bit too forgiving in my mind. Maybe she has to be because there's Transformers running around trying to kill him. But she's a bit too forgiving for this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, man. but uh, that was one. Th- yeah, I mean, that's what. That's another one of the reasons why I didn't care for this film as much. Um, you, got, you got transformers that can look like people. Um, now you got um, remote control trucks. Um, I, I kind of like it confined to you know the larger vehicles or whatever. Yeah. Now I did like that they brought. What was it? Sector Seven? Is that what that group was called? I, I did like that they kind of hooked up and teamed up with that guy from Sector Seven. Yeah, do I, I, do, I, do I have the right name for that? Is it Sector Seven? Sector Seven, and the actor's name, his first name eludes me. His last name is Turturro. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm glad that they hooked up with him, and I guess he ended up being the rival of his roommate, right? The rival uh, internet. You know, guru of, of his roommate who was also doing this internet newspaper type thing, getting the latest right. news. Uh, so they did link him in there a little bit, but I did like the fact that he was, uh, that he did bring him back. Uh, I could have done without his parents. I could always do without Shia LaBeouf's parents in this one. Uh, right. But I did like that the army commander was, um, I always know him as Aaron Pierce, Aaron Pierce from uh, 24. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that they had him in again, and that was kind of cool. Well, I like, I like the ones. One thing I do like is they have that one. I believe it's a senator uh, who is inspecting this whole thing and how they get rid of him. Um, they say they have to abandon the plane or whatever, and they get him in a that, a parachute and send him on his way. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. Do you feel like the 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 the, the humor in this movie uh, was too much, and they could have pulled back on some of the humor just a little bit, and it would have still stood? I think they could have pulled back on just about everything in this film. I just thought they were just like, we need to do more. We need you to make it bigger, louder, you know. Um, and I, and I, granted, this is a story about alien ro- alien robots, and this is this is from an '80s, you know, um, cartoon, and, and and these are about toys. Uh, so maybe come up with a story is hard, but I would have preferred more story and less everything else because it just got to the point there were so many robots fighting you didn't know who was who after a while um, it, it, the Decepticons seemed to have a, um, a, a huge supply of, uh, of troops or whatever um, it just it, it just got too much after a while it, it did just, and it seems like there is uh, a limited supply of the Autobots you know right that somehow we just have a few but somehow there's Decepticons and the Fallen that are just you know coming out of the woodwork right Right. I don't know, Miles. Uh, um, anyways, anything else that you want to talk about? I want to go into, we want to end by looking at, uh, there was an article, and we'll have a link to it, a guy that said the 10 plot holes 
uh, the 10 things that were wrongs with this Transformers. And we're just going to run through them real quickly here to end the show and, uh, and talk about whether we agree, disagree, or think this guy's a crack or something like this. But anything else you want to talk about regarding Transformers? No, I think we talked about it. I mean, it sounds like we're hating on the movie. Um, we're not really. I mean, it's just um, I, mean, I, I, I was entertained by it, but um, yeah, I just thought the first one was, was better. That's all. You know, I walked out here and two and a half hours had flown by. So that tells me that I was entertained. It was not a slow-moving movie. And right. so, yeah, you know, it was worth my nine, ten dollars to go see it in a theater. Mm-hmm. It definitely so, was, and I, and I, but I probably won't go back and rewatch it. In fact, I, I we talked about it the other week. I threw up a poll. Uh, let me see if I can call that up here real quick. But I, I threw up a poll, and uh, in that poll, what people said, um, I had other people that voted. Thirteen percent of the people said it's awesome. I'm going to see it again. 38% said it was a good, entertaining movie, but not the best of the year. Um, a couple of people, uh, 13% said it was okay, just machines beating up machines. Uh, 25% said if you want to see it, rent it, not worth your $10. And uh, a couple of people said that it's the worst movie ever. <laughs> so I, I don't think it was the worst movie ever. And, uh, no. And I definitely – I'm kind of of the opinion that if you want to see this movie, it is worth seeing in theater because you're going to miss a lot. By not seeing it in a theater, just because of the the over magnification of everything. Yeah, but, you definitely get it better. You'll enjoy this movie bet more if you see it in a the theater. Yeah, but it's not one that I'm going to see again. Definitely not. I may rent it on DVD. Yeah, I may. I may. We'll see. <coughs> All right, let's uh, let's quickly move in. These are the ten plot holes, um, and I don't I don't even know. I don't even know if I who, who wrote this article here. Uh, I'll have a link to it in the show notes. But these are the 10 plot holes, according to this guy, of of Transformers 2. Let's see whether we agree or disagree about these. Okay, Miles? Okay. Okay. So there is this huge, giant battle in the middle of downtown Los Angeles, um, <coughs> Mission City, uh, that's witnessed by thousands of people at the very least. But somehow the government has the power to cover up the whole damn thing. Uh, now the now and now the existence of alien robots is just an internet rumor. What do you think? Do you do you agree? Disagree? Um, I agree yep. because uh, there's no there's no way the world would not have known what was going on when that when that was happening. I mean, this is the advent of the internet. I mean, even even the media, I'm sure, would have been covering it. There, there, there's no way to keep something like this quiet. Someone's going to have their video phone out, uh, putting it up on YouTube. I mean, you name it. It's going to be out there. There's no way that that's going well, to think, be hidden like that. Well, just think about what's going on in Iraq. I mean, uh, they're not allowed to be uh, – I mean, a lot of stuff we're getting about – I'm, I'm sorry, not Iraq, Iran. I mean, a lot of the news we get about Iran is from people with their uh, video phones. And, and if they get caught, they could be arrested for it. So uh, – they're trying. I mean, the, the government's trying to keep that hush hush, but they can't. So, if, if they can't keep it quiet in Iran, and they're not going to keep it quiet in Los Angeles, yeah, a bit of a leap, bit of a leap for me, bit of a leap for me there. Yeah. So I agree with that one. Number two. So there's these two pieces, two pieces of the AllSpark. Uh, one the military has, which of course the Decepticons go in or the Fallen go in and get. The uh, the second one, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Sam, uh, you know, discovers that he has, and. Um, of course, is the one that Megan Fox has. Uh, the question is, when Sam wants to bring back Optimus Prime, he has to find the matrix of leadership on the other side of the globe to do so. Why not just use the other piece to do it? 
Michaela or Megan Fox has it in her backpack the whole time. It brought his entire kitchen to life. Why couldn't it do the same for Optimus? That's I think it's a legitimate uh, um, gripe. If it would unless they would have explained it somehow why they couldn't, but they didn't. Well, it's not that he couldn't. My my thing is if you didn't wake up the Blackbeard with it, which is what they used for that, right? They used it to wake up the fall the, that that fallen or that Decepticon that was the spy plane, right? Yeah, Jetfire. Right, Jetfire. Thank you. And he leads them to this other side that the Decepticons and that the Fallen were looking for this, what were they calling it? Uh, the the, yeah, they were looking for the matrix of leadership. And that if the Decepticons and Fallen would have found that before uh, the Autobots did, then they would have destroyed the world. Right? And so maybe in a roundabout way, you needed, they couldn't use it, but it just didn't fit well as a plot device for me. I felt it was. I kept thinking, why aren't they using the AllSpark? Why aren't they using the AllSpark? You know, right. And so I did. I feel like it's legitimate. Um, I do feel like they kind of explain why they didn't. That there's some higher purpose they're trying to keep on top of. But um, number three, speaking of Megatron's rebirth, when the when the Decepticons venture deep into the ocean to revive them, the Navy crew tracking them uh, reads five contacts. When they get down there, they tear apart. They tear apart one of the robots for parts to rebuild Megatron. And then as they rise to the surface, the same Navy guys say they spot six contacts. The little doctor robot pops out down there, but it's about the third of a size of a person. Would he have shown up in sonar? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Not not a big one for me. Not a huge one, but I remember in the first movie, and correct me if I'm wrong, they were going to drop Megatron and it's the, you know, they're trying to find the deepest part of the ocean right. so that the pressure would actually crush you know, his remains. And so um, there's a little bit of revision in there. Um, they just the, the, uh, His remains are, for the most part, intact, and the other Decepticons can just go down there and go get them. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, come on. You're Michael Bay. You have a million dollars. Yeah. Millions and millions of dollars. Who cares, right? Number right. four. Um, <clears throat> Michael Bay, of course, is... Is of course asking people to to forgive a lot of ridiculous accents, which the robots and everyone else has. Why does a robot need glasses? You know, and um, not a big deal for me. I didn't feel like it, that at all. I could overlook that. I mean, yeah, this is supposed don't. to be this is Transformers. It's supposed yeah. to be fun. Um, here's the one we talked about already. Transformers can now look like people. How? And is even that? And even that Robo Girl Isabel Lucas is made of metal. Can she still straddle Sam without crushing him? <laughs> this one we had talked about before, but I, I, the Robo Girl I could have done without. That's a legitimate gripe. Yeah. So um, May, uh, not Mega. The Fallen is, of course, the last of the primes, and since they are sacrificed themselves to stop him from destroying the sun. But when he says that Optimus is a descendant of the primes, first Transformers have kids, and now second, how could he have descended from them if they were all dead? And if the Fallen could only be destroyed by a Prime, why didn't the originals just gang up on them back in the day? And what makes Optimus so special anyways? Megatron beat him earlier, but all it takes is a few spare parts from a, cra- a creaky old jet fire for him to take out the Fallen? Well, it, you know, it might be a legitimate point, but I, I, I wasn't thinking about it when I was watching the movie. No, did not take away from the movie for me. Who cares where their descendants? I mean, okay, so they could have been built by the originals. That could be the way they I mean, were set. And, and, and how an Optimus Prime can be really old, so he could have existed, you know, 
way back when. Yeah, who knows? Who knows there? Um, this one I did have a problem with. Uh, Sam, Michaela, and Simmons uh, go to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. to find jet fire, and then they walk out the back into a wide-open field with old plains and mountains in the distance. Hmm. Um, nothing like that exists in Washington. Have you ever been to the Air and Space Museum, Miles? No, I have not. If you go to Washington, it is not there. It is not backed up against desert with tons of planes. The only thing I was debating this with Don the other day was maybe there's another Air and Space Museum somewhere around, but this is not the Air and Space Museum at the mall. Right. Hmm. I don't know. A- any uh, any thoughts on that? You know, I wasn't thinking about it during the movie, so it um, maybe it only bothers you if you've actually ever been to the Air and Space Museum. Yeah, you know. So maybe it's one of those things where geography is bad. Number eight is also another geography point. They say that um, when they go to Egypt, it's bad. The stone city of Petra in Jordan is over 250 miles away over mountainous terrain with few paved roads and the Israeli border between them. So how can they drive from one to the other in a couple of hours? And the pyramids are said to be shooting shooting distance from Mediterranean, but they're actually well over 80 miles inland. Even if the Navy ship had a secret rail gun, and even if the captain could take an order to fire from a former agent of the government branch that no longer exists over a walkie-talkie that inexplicably starts working again, how could it hit a moving target from that distance? Uh, well, you'd have to be very smart in geography right. to uh, get all that. Right. Ops. And again, who cares? I, it didn't detract from the movie. That that part, I thought I was willing to s- suspend disbelief for. I mean, th- this guy really took that apart a lot. I mean, his, his points are legitimate, but you know what? I wasn't thinking about it when I was watching the movie. I wasn't, and, you know. and maybe this is the thing. You know, we have two more points to go, but these points, if they're le- if they are legit, uh, which they are, uh, the question is the fact that they aren't legit. Does it ruin the story? Well, the answer is no, except for maybe the cases of two of them. And they didn't ruin the story, I felt. I felt like they just were plot holes in it. Right. Um, so, number nine. Sam dies briefly and goes to robot heaven. <laughs> you know when he dies? Yeah, I didn't think of him as dying. I just thought he got, I don't know, stunned from getting thrown, you know, that great distance from that from yeah. that explosion. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought of more of a vision than, than him actually dying. You know, one of the things, and this is point 10, that did kind of, I did think about. Now, I knew about this going in that Shia LaBeouf had been in a car accident in real life uh, and therefore partway through the movie has a bandage on his hand. Now, they don't explain how he got that bandage in the movie. And at least I don't think they did. Or did, did I miss something, Miles? I don't remember now. Yeah, I don't remember them doing it. But he does all suddenly, boom, he comes out, he has a bandage on his hand. Um, this is, of course, from the car accident. And they don't make a big deal out of it, but I did notice it. Maybe I was looking for it based on my knowledge that he had injured his hand partway through the shooting of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. So um, there were a bunch of other things he says, but that's, those, are, those are the 10. Uh, again, maybe two of these have some valid points to them, but the rest I think we can give up and say that we don't necessarily agree with this guy. Yeah, he, you know, it, you could pick a part to death uh, if, if you want, but some this was not this was supposed to be an entertaining movie. It was supposed to be a feel good movie, um, not to be taken too seriously. Right, right. 
All right. Well, anything more you want to say about Transformers? And uh, would you recommend people seeing it or not seeing it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would still recommend if you like the first one, um, you, you'll still like the second one. You may, you may. Well, I mean, you and I come off different sides. Which one was better? So, uh, but you'll you'll be entertained by it. I mean, you'll be the fastest two and a half hours of your life when you go see it. Yeah, it, it's definitely entertaining. If you want a good movie. Uh, for the summer is definitely one that you that you should go see in a theater this summer. Uh, I definitely would not wait till it comes out in video to see it, although I would see it then too as well. All right, well, I believe that's all we're going to say about Transformers. Let's move into our trivia after this small break. Right, so we are going to end this week with a Transformers trivia question. Miles, you are a trivia man. Why don't you go ahead and give us that trivia question? Some of you remember the, the uh, Transformers movie based on the uh, the cartoon TV series back in the eighties. This movie came out in eighty six. What is the? Fa- there was a famous Star Trek actor who lent his voice to one of the characters. Uh, what is the actor's name, and what is the character that he uh, voiced? All right, so you have it. If you answer this trivia question for next week, uh, I think we're planning on recording one next week, you can email those answers to us at zogpod at gmail.com. That's Z-O-G-P-O-D at gmail.com. Or you may call our new listener line. We have a new phone number. It's toll-free. won't cost you a bit to call at 1-888-508-4343. And uh, we would love to play your calls on the show. And really, you can leave any feedback at all. If there's a show you want us to talk about or you want us to get some input into or our thoughts about, we would love to do that. And, um, and so that's another way you can get a hold of us. And um, you can also just get a hold of us uh, on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And Miles, yours is? Um, I am uh, Son of Wharf on Twitter. Right. And they can find you on Trek Space under the same name, right? Yes, they can. They can find you there as well. You can also visit our website for the show notes. Anything we talked about, including links to these articles and trailers and everything else, is on, or what's the URL we're calling it, the Sci-Fi Fanboys, the Sci-Fi Guys, you can, you can, .com. You can, you can get there. You can also go to diningattheendoftheuniverse.com. It will also take you there. And there'll be links and uh, other places you can go from there as well. Don't forget to visit our online store. And I believe that's about it. And we're off to shore leave. Woohoo! So if you see us, say hi. We'll be here. Yeah, uh, we'll no be problem. there. Definitely there. And um, oh, by the way, we will be throwing up some videos. There is the Sci-Fi uh, Fanboys 
the channel on YouTube. We'll be throwing there was some links to it from our site that you can go to, and we'll be throwing videos of the convention throughout the weekend. So if you get a chance, check it out. Let us know what you think. So I believe that's it. So until next time, we'll see ya. Till then, good night and good luck. <laughs>